0: This is Kristen O'Brien, Managing Editor at NFX, and you're listening to the NFX Podcast. As founders ourselves, we started 10 venture-backed companies that exited for over $10 billion. During that time, as founders and now as VCs, we've seen 16 counterintuitive lessons in pitching VCs that increase your odds of success. Today we're sharing them for the benefit of the entire founder community. Number one, every sentence needs a number. Every
1: sentence should have a number in it. It was up 23% between September and October. Uh, over the last six months, we've, we've doubled our retention. To give me numbers, we, we've increased our retention by 100% over the last six months. That's two numbers in one sentence. That's the type of sentence you wanna say. That's what actually communicates. You've gotta be data-driven in these businesses. The people who build giant businesses are data-driven people. If you're not that kind of a person, you need to at least learn to be that kind of a person. It's all about the data. Communicate that. Communicate data.
0: Number two, pitching is a full-body experience. The second thing
1: people do is they sit there at the, at the table, just sitting there talking. The more sentences I say faster, the more you'll get it, and then, and then you'll want to invest. Pitching is a full-body experience. It's like playing a sport. It's like singing. You, you've got you've to use your body. You've got to move around. You've got to jump to the board.
0: Number three, diagrams communicate 10 times more.
1: Jump to the board and you draw on the board, diagrams. Look, diagrams communicate 10 times more effectively than just words and hand waving. I know that you were trained in academia to sit and hand wave. You don't communicate well this way. The way we do it now is with data and with diagrams. We have imagery, we have whiteboards, we have PowerPoints, we have paper and pen, and you can use those things to diagram stuff. And then during the conversation, you go back. And if you mark that 10 minutes later, you go back. Exactly. That's what I was saying. Remember, we talked about that 10 minutes ago. It sharpens the conversation. It speeds the conversation. You only get a half an hour with the VCs. You really only have 10 minutes to grab them. You've got to use diagrams to do it. You need to be on your feet. You need to get to the board. You need to draw on the board.
0: Number four, jump to the screen and point. When you do your PowerPoint,
1: great, do your PowerPoint and it's going to be presented up on a screen or it's going to be on a, something you're doing. You can't just talk about it because you've spent time looking at your PowerPoint thing and you're talking about this little number here. That's what you're talking about in, at the moment. They're looking at some complicated thing because you know it so well, you forget that they're looking at the whole thing. They don't know that you're pointing at it. So you need to get on your feet. You see you're in a chair. You need to get up out of your chair. And you need to move to the, to the projection and point to the thing you're talking about. You need to p- do the pointing out way. You've got to point out to them so that they can focus on the thing you're focused on. Again, it's just more hand-waving. Even though you're showing them a diagram, if you don't identify what you're actually about, they're going to miss it. Their brain will be wandering. They won't get it.
0: Number five, send your company brief ahead of time.
1: The way the introduction and meeting thing works in the venture world is like 1963. You get your introducer to send them an email. They give them two or three pieces of information in the email. They take the meeting. They come into these meetings knowing almost nothing about you. So you should create a company brief on thecompanybrief.com. It includes your deck. It includes the metadata that the VC needs to know to understand your business before you get in there. So when the VC and you meet, and you're only going to have 10 minutes to explain it to them or a half an hour max, you can actually get to the heart of their concerns about your business or what they're interested in about your business. Otherwise, you're going to spend the first 20 minutes going over the basics. Where's your headquarters based? How many employees do you have? You know, How do you actually make money? Like, wh- What's your traction? Like, All this stuff can be put in the company brief, and they can get that way before the meeting. You can have basically the second meeting with them on your first meeting, which is going to save you time and increase the probability that you actually – raise money from this VC. The other thing is that when you, when you send them more before the meeting, they feel as when they come into the meeting, like they already know you better. They're already more committed to this meeting because they already know so much more about you, okay? So if you are not using a company brief, if you're just using a deck or if you're just using an email from, then you are way behind all the other entrepreneurs. The other six entrepreneurs they're meeting with that same day who are trying to get money out of them, you're way behind those guys. You're losing the competition already because you've walked into that meeting without having given them a company brief.
0: Number six, get there 15 minutes early. You
1: need to get to the meeting at least 15 minutes early. You can sit in the lobby. More importantly, you can get into the meeting room, figure out where the... The, the deck is gonna be presented or whether there is no you know, projection where you're just gonna do it on your laptop. So you can use your wrist and clean off your screen so they, they can see that your laptop isn't a mess. You need to bring dongles with you. Many of these people don't know how to run their own projection screens in their own rooms. I certainly don't. You know I need someone who's here all the time who knows how to get this stuff going and each room is different and they don't know how to do it. So you need to get there early, get your presentation set up, get it projected on the screen if that's what you're doing, know where the whiteboards are, Make sure the pens work. It might be that the EA has forgotten to put pens in there for a month and they're not going to work. And then you're stuck, and then there's this awkward three minutes while you try to find the EA and try to find the new pens. The whole thing just breaks down. You have to take charge of that room. You have to take charge of the presentation. you got to get there 50 minutes early to make sure that you have the ability to drive that half-an-hour meeting, that 10-minute meeting, to the point where they can understand what you're doing and get excited the way you are about your business. Anything less is irresponsible and a waste of your time because that pitch will be unsuccessful, and you will have wasted all the travel time, And then all the travel time home and the time that you're there, and you will have checked off a VC who will not invest in you from your short list. That extra 15 minutes makes a big difference.
0: Number seven, sit in the front of the room.
1: When you get into that room, you've got to sit toward the front of the room. You've got to think about where you're sitting and how you're going to talk to that VC and where you want them to sit. You know, the VCs are are creatures of habit. They get six pitches a day, 200 days a year, and they come and they sit in the same chair in the same room over and over again. you got to figure out which chair that is, and you got to sit in the right spot next to them. And at least you want to sit toward the front. If you're going to be presenting on this wall, you want to sit toward the front so that you can jump up. Stand on your feet, use your legs, use your stomach, and get to the board and point at what you're talking about so that you can be a dynamic, engaged founder, engage with the material, engage with your excitement. And you've got to be positioned in the room properly so that you can make that happen to the maximum ability.
0: Number eight, project your passion.
1: Years ago, we had a guy come in for a pitch. He was losing the audience. He was losing my partners. I was, I was in my early 20s. And at one point, he got down on his knee right next to the partner, and he said, we are going to make this happen. He used his knee on the floor, and he talked to the partner, and he said, we are going to make this happen because this is my life, and I know this market better than anybody. And at that moment, the partner believed in him. The partner finally woke up. He said, whoa, this guy's serious. He's in my face. He's on his knees. He's going to make this happen with every ounce of energy he has, and we invested. And I don't know if it was just the knee bend, but it was part of it. It was the way he communicated his passion without saying, I'm really passionate about this. When you say stuff like that, it cheapens the idea that you're passionate about it. You have to show that you're passionate about it by getting there early, by being prepared, by getting down on your knees, by using your body, by being a full-blooded person who is going to drive this business forward through strength of will.
0: Number nine, look the part. And when you, when you wear something, you got to wear something
1: nice and sharp and crisp and something that shows you're serious about being a professional. I've seen people come in with you know, sweatshirts or a big sweater or these frumpy pants. and They kind of sit down with their coffee. They sit down with their snack and their laptop, and it's just a mess down at their end of the table. It doesn't look professional. It doesn't look like you're, you're going to eat everybody else's lunch. We are in competitive industries, guys. 25 years ago, there were no VCs, and there were only a few thousand startups. Now there's millions of startups, and there's thousands of VCs. Any industry that's worth its salt is super competitive. You cannot be lazing around. Come in wearing something sharp, something interesting.
0: Number 10, bring a pen and take notes.
1: Bring your laptop and a notebook and a pen to write in so that when the VC says something that you want to remember or you want to get back to, you can write it down really quickly. And to show them that you're taking notes, because here's the thing, 99 out of 100 VCs won't invest in you, typically, maybe 9 out of 10. That means that 9 of them are going to end up being free consultants to you, and if you do not take that opportunity to learn from them and ask them questions, then you are doing yourself a disservice, and ultimately, your overall fundraising process won't work. See, you can't look at these meetings as do or die. I've got to get this guy's money, this woman's money. You have to think, I have to have a successful fundraising over the course of 10 or 20 pot- potential investors. And so every meeting is an opportunity for you to get your pitch to be better, for you to learn more about your business, for you to learn more about your competitors by asking them questions. And if you fail to do that and fail to take notes, then you're just you're you're not going to have a successful fundraise. Having that notebook, having that pen, nothing else other than your laptop that you're presenting with, that's the way to go I think optimally into these meetings and to remind yourself that you need to pitch in 10 minutes and then ask questions for 20. And 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 if you're not asking questions, then you're not really engaging the investor and, and you're going to have a, a, a lower probability outcome of raising capital.
0: Number 11, only bring your best presenters.
1: So who to bring to the meeting is often a very emotional thing. There's co-founders who are going to want to be there. There's uh, VPs who are going to want to be there. And you need to have the hard conversations with them because everybody in the room needs to be as compelling as you are. Everyone in the room needs to have a role to play in the pitch or they should not be in the room. There are some people who are very good at pitching. There are some people who are very good at getting that energy level up and speaking concisely and answering the question as it's been asked. And there are some people who wander off. You, don't, you cannot bring those people into the meeting. Your co-founder might be good at engineering. Your co-founder might be good at sales. Your co-founder might be good at product design but it's unlikely they are also good at pitching. So if you're good at pitching, don't bring them in because it'll just make them look not good and the team as a whole won't do well. If you have some other people who are good, who are really critical to the idea that, hey, this is a full team and we can win this thing, then by all means, bring them. But it's based on personality, it's based on their skill in pitching. When you need to communicate that to your team, you have to sit, sit them down and say, look guys, in order to win these things, we have to have m- sort of maximum precision in our short time that we get with these VCs. And in my few meetings with you, I've seen that the Christmas isn't there, the speed isn't there, and for this right now, I can't have you learning on the job, and I'm gonna have to keep you out of this meeting, and you're gonna have to be fine with that, because you, you need to believe that our chances of raising the money is gonna be higher with me just doing it, and then in the second meeting or the third meeting, we can bring you in when they wanna get to know more of the team. It's a hard conversation to have, but founders have to trust each other.
0: Number 12. Make a deck specific to every VC.
1: Here's another massive mistake that founders make when they go into these meetings is they use the same deck for every investor. When I was fundraising over the course of my four companies, I had a different deck for every investor. At the end of my fundraising process, I would literally have 60 PowerPoints for 30 different investors I was pitching, okay? Different versions at different times. The first time I pitched Greylock, the second time I pitched Greylock, depending on who was in the room, you have to tweak the language because certain VCs think about a word, like we think about the word network effects. If you come to us and you have a deck that doesn't include network effects, it's going to be much harder for us to get excited about your business. But if you do include network effects, we're going to be like, ah, that's what we're looking for. If some people like DDC, you know, direct to consumer, and you don't use the word DTC and they're writing about it in their blogs all the time, then you're missing an opportunity to connect with that investor and show them what you're doing fits in with the theses that they already are, are working on and the theses that they already believe in, the theses that have already been socialized around the partnership. When you're pitching one GP, you've got to arm them with the ability to convince the other partners in the room. Because ultimately, they need to go on Monday and say, hey, I met this interesting company last week, and this is what they do. And they literally get 30 seconds. They get 30 seconds to explain in shorthand to the other partners why all of them, who only have three or four hours together, are going to spend time talking about this deal rather than a follow-on deal they've got, rather than an existing portfolio company that's having problems, rather than a deal that's about to close from two months ago that's now about to, to move the money. There's so many other things for partners to talk about rather than your new deal. Plus, each of them has met with 18 companies last week. So if there's three partners, that means 18 times three companies could be talked about at partners meeting. Why are they going to spend time on yours? And, and why, how are you going to arm that partner with enough uh, information to get the other partners interested? So you've got to trigger the language that they're already used to. You've got to, in your presentation and in your deck, you've got to use the language they can use to trigger everybody else in the
0: room so that they can decide to allocate time to you to even have a second meeting. Number 13, spend a third of the time presenting, two thirds asking questions.
1: When you think about the time that you're given, if you're given a half an hour, that means you have about eight minutes to get through your deck so that you can have 22 minutes of talking time. If you're given an hour, you still have about 10 minutes to get through your deck, so you can have 50 minutes of talking time. And plus, the hour probably means 50 minutes, and the half an hour probably means 25 minutes because the, the VC has to get up, take a note, talk to an EA, you know, see another partner, and then move on to the next meeting. These partners typically have meetings back-to-back-to-back to back to back all day long. I'm, I'm probably in anywhere from 8 to 12 meetings a day. People don't have time to go on and on. They want to understand what's great about your business. They're hoping that your business is the business they can invest in you know, this year or this quarter or this six-month period, whatever their cadence is, they're hoping you're the one. But you've got to show it to them really quickly and succinctly so that they can get to the questions. So don't think of the time with the with the VC as the whole time you're pitching. It's you're pitching for eight minutes and then you're talking for the rest of the minutes to try to dig in. What's their concerns? How do you see this? What's the pattern recognition? You need to come prepared with questions about their firm, about how he sees your business, about how he sees your competition, about how other patterns he's, she has seen or he has seen in other markets so that they can apply those that pattern recognition to your business and how it rolls out. You can learn so much from them. But if you're just busy talking, There's not that chance for connection. So don't allocate your time the whole time of your pitching. Don't think of it that way. You don't have a half an hour. You have eight minutes.
0: Number 14, the goal is learning, not closing.
1: You've got to ask VCs for feedback during the meeting. You have to assume they're not going to invest in you. You have to get clear on the math of this. VCs look at 1,000 companies a year, and they might invest in four or five. Most Series A firms invest in one or two per partner per year. The math is that you are not getting investment from this person. What you do have is someone who has seen hundreds of business plans and has seen hundreds of patterns, failures, and successes over the years, and they're available to you right now for free. So when you get there, think of them as someone who is not going to invest, but who you're going to get as much information out of as possible by presenting a great opportunity to get them excited. So you need to ask them questions about, how do you see my company in the marketplace? Open it up, let them start talking about their concerns or questions or whatever. How do you see me as the CEO of this company? How do you see my team? Do we have a, if if you can improve something about my team, what would you point to? Why haven't you invested in any of my competitors? Have you seen them? Did 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 you take a look at them and decide not to, why? What do you think some of your partner's objections might be when you bring this up on Monday? Are there some patterns you've seen in other companies or industries that you can see applying to my business and how I should go to market or how I should plan to build my product? There's so many interesting questions you can ask a VC when you're there in the room with them, and most of them are going to be able to give you something really interesting that you might not have thought about before. So take the opportunity to do that, prepare for it. The other thing is ask them about their firm. Like, I've noticed that you invest in this type of company, I've noticed that this is your your size amount, but mine's slightly bigger, mine's slightly smaller. How do you work with founders? Do you have a a program? How long do you stay on the board of the companies you invest in? There's so many things you can ask them that shows that you're doing your homework and that you're selecting your VC carefully and that you're the type of quality person and quality thinker that's capable of building a giant and important company. And if you don't do that, you're losing that opportunity in that meeting.
0: Number 15, know when you're improving or not.
1: So, often you'll get into this thing where you'll, you'll start pitching and then the pitch should evolve pretty dramatically over time as you learn more about how your business is being perceived by investors who see all the other businesses and your competitors. You're going to learn a lot, so your pitch is going to evolve, your pitch should be getting better. If you can still feel that the VCs are getting more and more interested as your pitch improves, then you should maintain enthusiasm. If the feedback you're getting is that there's no way in hell that anyone's going to back you and you're just kind of flatlining no matter how you change the pitch, then you really have to start questioning whether you're in the right sector, whether, you're, whether you've got the right product, whether you've got the right team, and go back and reconstitute the business or figure out how to build your business without VC money, which is another way to do it, so that you actually prove the business. Then the VCs will be calling you on the phone, and you'll have to fend them off with a stick because there's so many of them, and they're all desperate to get into the hot deal. You have to really constantly be looking and courageous enough. You have to be courageous enough to think from first principles, am I in the right spot? Am I in the fast-moving water? Is this the right time? Do I have the right language with which I'm communicating what I want to accomplish? And always be going back to the beginning. I know that you feel like you've been working hard on it for a year, for two years, and you've made so much progress. And it's true, you have made a lot of progress. But remember, the VC is seeing six companies that same day who have also been working for two years, or for a year, or for three years. And they've made a lot of progress, too. So he's not comparing you to where you were a year ago or two years ago. The VC, she is comparing you to the other companies that she's seeing during the day. And you've all made progress. From your experience, you've, you, you, I've accomplished so much. Things are going so well. Yes, they are compared to where they were for you. But compared to another opportunity, they might not look as good. And you've got to suss that out. You've got to be honest with yourself and have the courage to understand that and look at first principles about how to put your business into a place where the VCs would rather invest in you than another company that they've seen that same day.
2: Number
0: 16, understand VC psychology. For the
1: entrepreneurs to understand the VC psychology, you have to put yourself in the VC shoes. And I was a founder for 20 years. Now I'm a VC for the last two years. I'm understanding the constraints and the context that VCs operate in. You'd have to open up your kind of mind and your heart to understand what it's like to be a VC because it's incredibly repetitive. It's incredibly like being on a manufacturing line where the companies come by and you have to decide if the part is a good part or a bad part. Or whatever. And, and, and the, the quantity of emails, the quantity of inbound from their partners, the quantity of inbound from the companies they've already invested in, the quantity of inbounds from good friends who are sending them companies they believe in and they need that VC to meet with them within the next 48 hours. This goes on all the time. The distractions that a VC has, the, the directions in which a VC is being pulled, is is extraordinary. Um, Having run companies before where we were doing sales and marketing and engineering and product, that pales in comparison to the, the, the real 360 degrees that VCs are being pulled apart. They're constantly switching contexts. And so for them to come late is sometimes their fault, but it's not usually their fault because somebody grabbed them and I need you now to give me an answer on this thing. And it happens over text and it happens over email. And it happens because of the EA. And the EA is getting called. The bank is calling. There's a loan that's due. You know, there's a series C firm that needs to talk to you. And the founder is calling me. I mean, there's so many things that's going on that have nothing to do with you. And so a lot of the rudeness that you see with VCs comes from that context. Um, like a doctor. Doctors are always late. Doctors are always you know, misattentive because of the structure and the context that they're in. So have a little bit of understanding about what, what the VC is trying to deal with. The second thing to understand is that because a VC has to say no to 99 point something percent of the deals they see, every day for 10 hours a day, they are being trained to be negative. Because in order to get to the no, which is the result of a meeting 99 percent of the time, they have to hone and develop their negative muscles, their negative mental and emotional muscles to find out what's wrong with an idea, to find out what's wrong with a team. And so over the years, this wears down on them and it makes them cynical. It makes them distant. It makes them cold because if they actually connect with everyone they meet with every day, it would be exhausting. And so they have to keep their distance. They're thinking about you know, many things. They're thinking about What could be great about this company, but they're also thinking about what are the signs, what are the red flags that this company isn't going to be as big as I would hope it would be. In that context you can often feel a rudeness from them or not getting back to you with an email, yet another rejection. With their, They don't want to send you another rejection because they hate rejecting people. They, they're hopeful for founders. They, they want to support founders, yet most of their job is saying no to founders. So you can imagine that emotional tension that they have to go through. So of course they don't want to email you and tell you no. Um, it's just the worst part of their job. So these aren't necessarily that they're bad people. It's just that over the years, over the wearing down of, of these people, Um, You start to see these behaviors creep in that aren't optimal for founders. And so you have to assume if they don't get right back to you, it's a no. And that's okay. That's okay. And many of us try to get back to everyone in a very timely way, and it's really hard to do. It's just physically during the day, given the number of meetings, given the number of directions you're being pulled, given the number of urgent things that are coming up, it's often very difficult to do it no matter what everybody's best intention is. When you go into these meetings, don't treat the VC like an authority figure. Just because you're asking them for money doesn't mean they're above you. They're peers of yours. They're just entrepreneurs trying to build their portfolio. That's their entrepreneurial activity. You are entrepreneurs talking to each other to see if there's a potential biz dev deal between the two of you you need to treat them like equals. You need to have that confidence to have a real conversation and be authentic with them. Stop playing up to them. Stop being like, oh, please. Stop being saying, oh, if I just say another sentence, she will understand the genius of my idea and then she will give me the money. Then I will be happy. Like, stop with that. There's enough. Like, you gotta be mature. You gotta go in and say, this is what I'm doing. I'm gonna kick it. Let me ask you some questions so I can kick it even more. That dialogue, that conversation is gonna serve you well and show them that you mean business.
0: To learn more about how to build iconic marketplaces and networks, visit nfx.com and subscribe to receive our weekly email.